podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Salah. Escape Cancelo. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and still the beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. De Bruyne. And it's Wood. Martinelli. Gorgeous. Still going up. Oh, he's done it again. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, it's Guy Drinker. It's game week 25, and you know what that means. It's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. It's that time of the year again. Transfer windows over, back to business for teams. We obviously spoke to Jake Jackman last week. He was keen for Newcastle to get things going. Well, we're also keen to get something else going this season. Bank it or burn it is back. Obviously, we haven't had Bank it or burn it yet this season, but second half of the season, we will get our guests to sort of give predictions on certain scenarios they think are going to happen on the first five game games that we're going to discuss today and i don't know how he's finagled this somehow executive producer guy drinkle is on the podcast where banker burnett returns usually by tradition we have the defending champion on the first episode of banker burnett for the next season obviously to sort of defend their title and and see if they can reclaim their title but Guy, you've been trying to to win the Banker or Burn It. You've been trying to win that coveted trophy that gets handed out to the winners. Uh, you've threatened blowing the budget of the podcast in the past with a victory parade if you win it. And you're here for the first episode of Banker or Burn It. I, I sense something that I, I sense some some chicanery happening here with the executive producer rights. Well, The Rock's back in WWE, so the people's chat might as well start on <laughs> Tad Predictable as well. Huh? You know what I mean? Me and him. Does that mean I'm turning heel? Bit of jazz for you. You know what I mean? Fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, guy, we will get to Bank It or Burn It, but we've got a couple of fixtures to get through. We'll run through Bank It or Burn It, and then we'll do the remaining five fixtures. Obviously, just some housekeeping for the listeners. I know... Game week 25 has 12 games in it. But next week, Monday, we're going to be recording uh, the podcast. And obviously, that week, game week 26, is only going to have eight games on that one with the Carabao Cup that's going to be happening that following weekend, which I believe, Guy, you are attending. Yes. Unless Unless I jinx something in the meantime, then I will sacrifice myself. Okay, no, that's fine. So we will then discuss those. I think it's the Tuesday and Wednesday game, the Man City and Liverpool games. We will discuss those next week's podcast. But let's do the 10 games Saturday through to Monday relevant for us for this podcast, Guy. Let's kick things off. I mean, it it, it might be Klopp's last 12.30 kickoff um, ever as a manager if if we're to believe that he is going to retire as he's hoping to do. what are your thoughts on Brentford versus Liverpool and it being a 12.30 kickoff? We know Klopp has been all over them with regards to 
the amount of 12-30 kickoffs Liverpool have had. Ah, it's, fo- it's football heritage at this stage, isn't it? It's beautiful. <laughs> um, no, I'd, I don't think any team really wants the 12-30 kickoff, but at least I think our main issue is with this kickoff is that we always get the one after the international break, which of, we've obviously had a lot of South American players in Klopp's tenure here, which has always been an issue, apart from the last few where they've actually sent South American players home early. Who I mean, who, who would have thought that would have helped people out? You know what I mean? Um, I mean, if it is Klopp's last, I hope he, I hope he has a big whinge before. And, but I don't think his issue is the fact we play at 12.30. I think it's the fact when there's a short turnaround and we obviously... Uh, played Saturday at three o'clock, so we basically have the full week before the game. So I don't, I don't think it's that big an issue. But if it, if it is his last one, let's make it a good one, an easy two 0 win. <laughs> an easy two 0 win. I, I think Liverpool fans will be loving you for that prediction. Obviously, Brentford uh, trying to sort of keep the distance between them and the rest of the relegation zone. We saw the fixtures that were coming up ahead for them, including that Wolves game that they had last week, Guy, at at, at Molyneux. So they had that Wolves game. They obviously have Liverpool this coming week. Um, After that, they have West Ham. After West Ham, Chelsea. Then after Chelsea, they've got, um, if I'm not mistaken, Arsenal. And then after that Arsenal game, that's when Burnley made there's a bit of respite there. But it, it's a it's some tough fixtures coming up for them. So they needed those three points last week just to sort of keep that distance in case it gets a bit tricky for them over the next couple of fixtures. They did that last week. Impressive win against the Wolves side that's been quite difficult to beat uh, in, in, in recent weeks. But 2-0, emphatic. I, I think Brentford will be coming into this one quietly optimistic despite their form um it's not at anfield obviously we know anfield liverpool are are, are a beast um i think they've won if not for a year straight um at anfield uh, maybe one one or two draws thrown in there but are, they definitely haven't lost at anfield so this one is it, it's going to be a home game for brentford um obviously you know, they, they, they will be aiming to build on that 2-0 win over Wolves, but they will have a big fish to fry against uh, the league, league leaders. Do you think Ivan Tony, Mope, they can cause Liverpool problems defensively? We know Liverpool haven't been the, the, the prime club Liverpool from a defensive standpoint. Is there an opening for Brentford to to go and win this? I know you've predicted 2-0, but are you, are you, how confident are you? Because I've got, I've got a 2-2 draw in this one. Um, I hate saying it, but I just think Liverpool haven't quite looked as solid defensively as I would have liked them. And I can see Ivan Tony causing problems, Mope running in and around him. I can see Brentford making a game of this. No, I, I kind of said 2-0 flippantly, to be fair. Um, no, I think Brent, Brentford have always given Liverpool a tough game when it, since they've uh, got promoted. And I believe Wiss is back on the... Because he was with DR Congo, who got to the third place playoff, didn't they? So I'm guessing he's back. So they might have an extra string uh, to their bow um, in terms of attack. So that probably helps them. Him and him and Tony, obviously, Buemo's injured, isn't he? Um, that's probably the first choice front three. Uh, and the uh, German lad who's uh, Shard, who's injured as well. But I think. 
Well, the new news has just broke that Trent's missing the cup final. So that that kind of makes us stronger defensively, which is uh, it's a well, it, it kind of feeds the the narrative and stuff like that. But it just does for a fact because it means we're probably going to have Gomez at right back unless Bradley's mentally ready to play. If you if you're not a Liverpool fan, Bradley lost his his father. Um, that's why he's not played the last couple of games. Um, but if we if Liverpool's back four is Gomez, Kanata, who's I think's back from his suspension, um, Van Dijk and Robertson, or Bradley right back and Gomez left back, I think that makes us stronger defensively than than an unfit Trent. Because the last two appearances by Trent, he's clearly been unfit and obviously he picked up the injury in the Burnley game. So I think if if that's what we're rolling out, I think we can deal with it and. Tony has battered Liverpool centre-back in the past, but I think it's more so he's done it against Matip. Whereas Canate, obviously shown in the Arsenal game, he can get overly aggressive at times, but he does have the physicality and the, well, ability to match someone like Ivan Tony. So I think if Canate is playing, well, better than is being stupid against Arsenal, I think we'll be fine. <sighs> If it's someone like Kwanzaa who's been really good this season, Tony is very crafty, and I think it may it's kind of not this type of striker you want to play against a young centre back. If the young centre back is yours, obviously. But in terms of getting the best out of the in terms of attacking Brentford, I mean Salah might be back, but he'd probably be on the bench at most. Um, but with if Darwin and Jota start with Diaz. I think we can hurt Brentford, but we've seen it. We've seen it in, in in previous games when Liverpool go too deep into the squad. When you're playing your Gravenbergs and your Gakpo's and stuff like that, it just doesn't flow. So as long as we've got, let's say, out of our first choice fifteen players, we're, we're playing out of that pool rather than your your top eighteen and stuff like that. I think I think we should have enough to beat Brentford. Not comfortably. That was very flippant of me to say before, because it is a tough game. But if if we are playing like quite a rotated team, say if we reward Elliot to start in midfield, it I wouldn't re- like Elliot's been really good off the bench, but I wouldn't really want him starting against that machine like Brentford midfield, for instance. So it'll very much depend on the starting eleven, but I'd still back Liverpool, maybe not massively confident as I as I alluded to earlier. But I'd I'd still say I'll I'll change to a two one, but I think we should get enough enough to win. Because I think our front three should be able to get at their back line. And their goalkeeper, I know he had a a big game a couple of weeks ago. I think they still lost the game, but I I don't think he's as dependable as what Raya was in previous seasons. So I think if Darwin has his seventeen shots a game, one of them will, one of them will go <laughs> in eventually. But um, yeah, I think if we if we play the team I'm hoping for, I think we should win. Interesting stuff. Let Let's move on to another team that's obviously in that title race. Arsenal. They will travel to Turf Moor. Um, six games and um, without a win for Burnley. It's, it's it's going to be tough, you'd imagine. They're going to be facing an Arsenal side that literally are walking onto the pitch with their chests out at the moment. 
they're starting to score goals in, in, in abundance. Obviously, that 6-0 win against West Ham, it highlights that. What do you make of this game? Do you give Burnley a chance? Do Burnley need to be picking up these type of points if, if they are to, to stay in the Premier League? Or is it a matter of trying to, to find other games uh, outside of this one? Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm sure with your Liverpool hat on, you'd be hoping company would do you some favours. But I, I must admit, it, it's going to be a tall order for them to get anything from this game. No, you'd, you'd back Arsenal 100%. Um yeah, Burnley played quite well against Liverpool last weekend, but Liverpool played quite badly as well, <laughs> I'd say, um, especially in the first half. Um, Arsenal, the only thing, and it's, I would have preferred Arsenal playing another team in this situation, they've obviously just battered West Ham, so maybe a smidge of overconfidence, maybe even like... Um, a bit of rotation may creep in because I think, if I remember correctly, like didn't he just rock out Smith Rowe and stuff like a couple games ago? So maybe he's trying to rotate a bit more now that the Champions League's back for them next midweek, I presume. Um, so maybe he might rotate a bit going into this game. But if Burnley play at the maximum, like I could still only see a draw. I don't think they have the play type of players that have that have hurt Arsenal this season. Like you've seen, sometimes you can out physically battle um, Arsenal. And I like Datro Fafan has had a good start at Burnley, but I don't think he's that type of player. Um, God, Mitch Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood for what I'm saying here. Back in the day. <laughs> but no, I, there's no point going too deep on this. I think Arsenal will win this uh, 3-0. Yeah. Yeah, I think Arsenal are starting to... I said it earlier in the season that it felt like Arsenal were trying to save some energy for the back end of the season after what happened to them last season where they sort of ran out of steam. And it it seems like that's what's happening. Now they're starting to rev the engines and, and try and really go for it and, and put pressure on the teams above them. Uh, I've also got a 3-0 scoreline here. I think... Burnley's style of play is going to suit Arsenal. We saw how well Arsenal suited a team like Liverpool that liked the ball on the ground, playing from the back. Burnley liked to do that, and and I just think Arsenal are going to be well-suited. Whether or not they've got one eye on Champions League football, um, I, I, it just seems like a team that's that's playing well at the moment and coming up against a team that's not playing well at the moment. Obviously, as I've mentioned, six games without a win for Burnley, it's going to be a tall order for them let's move on to fulham versus aston villa obviously fulham were appointed the attack predictable team of the season to root for it's been a bit shaky the last couple of games some draws in their losses but then we go and get that win against bournemouth we know how tough bournemouth have been to play um well certainly back in december january i can't say so much for them in 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 late jan and and early feb um they're another team that hasn't seen a win in way too long but let's talk of the positives from Fulham they looked quite emphatic in front of goal um they seem to have brushed away that disappointment of not being able to be uh, at Wembley in 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 a, in a couple of weeks time like you are going to be guy drinkle come up against an Aston Villa side who they're one of those teams that were trying to elbow their way into that title race uh, two losses in their last three games isn't really going to do it. They they need a win in this one if they if they are to get back into that or at least 
um, Claude Tottenham back who've jumped ahead of them in, in that race for top four. Yeah, it's been a bit strange for Aston Villa. I think almost similarly what I mentioned with Liverpool, but probably more so. I think once they've moved out of that first probably 12 to 15 to them rather than a 15 for Liverpool crop of players, it's just a big drop-off. Obviously, Pau Torres has been missing for, I think, more than a month now, probably longer than that. Um, and him and Esri Konza initially made such a nice partnership, but then it became Carlos in centre-back and Konza at right-back. It just seemed to give them such a great platform, but now they've brought in um, Matty Cash to right-back with Konza moving back to centre-back and Clement Longley is coming at the team who... Not very good. <laughs> uh, they've even like changed. I think Dinier has been injured as well. So it's basically been an entire change back four, which I think defences give you the base to then overperform like Aston Villa have been doing. But sometimes you do need your attack to just kind of bail you out of tough spots. And Ollie Watkins has been fine from what I've seen, but like Bailey and Diaby can't be good at the same time for some reason. Um, Kamara's now injured for the rest of the season, isn't he? And he's he's obviously so key to their midfield. Um, begs the question: Who's going to play defence in mid for them? Maybe they change Louise's role, but he's been so important to them as like the second, the eight next to the six. So maybe they, I don't know. I think Aaron Bigham or whatever his name is, uh, the, the young lad, maybe give him a run there or something like that. It's just. <sighs> It's a shame for them because I think if they kept everyone fit, I think they'd probably be in more of a optimistic position rather than because it feels it feels a bit pessimistic now rather than having the high then dropping rather than just kind of a steady steady eddy season. So it's it's weird. I think with the injuries, the midfield, the Kamara is so bloody key. Whereas Fulham. They're just kind of there, <laughs> just kind of morphing into Crystal Palace where they just won't get relegated, but they won't really punch them over the weight too much. But you did mention they got a win last week against a good Bournemouth side. It it feels like with Villa's struggles recently in the Cup as well as the Premier League, it, it kind of feels like a draw. It feels like a draw to me, which it usually is sitting on the fence, but this might not be. But I'll go one all in this game. One one. Well, guy, I'm 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 I won't say worried about Aston Villa because I I think they will be able to fix um, the sort of stuttering that they've had recently. But I I fancy uh, Fulham at home in this one. I've gone one nil to Fulham. Um, I I I'm looking at you know um so, sort of how they've been playing in in recent weeks. They seem clinical, which is weird because when you look at the strikers that they did have um, for them, you know, in recent weeks, not necessarily the, the the names that are going to be on the posters of you know the Premier League when they're advertising attacking football, but they've been efficient. They've been scoring goals. Obviously, the two-two draw uh, at the beginning of Feb with Burnley. They had the three-one that we've mentioned with Bournemouth. Um, I think. Fulham are going to start going into a bit of a groove. They've got tough games. This Villa game, then away to United, then Brighton. I think they're going to target this one as let's try and take advantage of a wounded Aston Villa 
pick up something here. Be really compact defensively. I'm sure Villa's going to have plenty of the ball in this one. And then just be clinical, you know, when, when they need to be and, and get that 1-0 win and sort of move on and try and see what they can do for the rest of the season. But yeah, I, maybe it's the homer in me hoping that the team of a tad predictable mm. can do this one. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to lean 1-0. As well, Buck, I should say. Which will be a massive help. Mm. Massive, massive help. I'm, I'm leaning 1-0 to Fulham. I, I think they keep the good times rolling. In terms of, again, one of those teams that just wants to keep that distance at a healthy you know, level with, with the teams that are at the bottom of the Premier League table. Um, they've got that 10-point gap at the moment. So they're, they're looking good. Um, maybe a win here and they start to look further up instead of constantly having to look behind them and, and, and see what they can do to those ahead of them for the rest of the season. But let's move on to one of the teams that's obviously ahead of them um, in this season in Newcastle. They will be entertaining Bournemouth. Two sides, guy, that have played good football at times this season, not always been in it at the same time. Um, we mentioned, obviously, Bournemouth, they're in a bit of a rut at the moment. Newcastle were in a rut that they seem to be getting out of or dragging them their way out of with the two wins and a draw in their last three games. Longstaff certainly looks to be um, scoring goals. He's, he's having his Scott McTominay uh, moment, it seems like, at the moment, getting getting goals that, that are needed and vital to make sure that Newcastle are continuing to pick up points and... and Obviously, they'll have aspirations of European football in whatever form uh, next season that, that will help them continue to grow as as they want to. What do you make of this one? Dom Solanke, it's drying up a bit for him, Guy. Um, do, do you fancy him in fantasy? Do you have him in fantasy? And then, obviously, what do you make of this game? I don't know who I've got in fantasy. <laughs> Let's have a look. That's that. Oh, God. I got 16 points last weekend. Oh, my goodness. God. <laughs> oh, dear God. me. What do, you want, do you want me to go for my team quickly? <laughs> is it bad? It is bad. Ariola in goal. Oh. Colwell. Adoji. Matty Cash. Raheem Sterling. Bowen. Sterling. Stop. Yeah, I haven't changed this in a while. My vice captain, Mo Salah. <laughs> Huang Hee Chan, who's not played since uh, Asia Cup. Julian Alvarez with two points as my captain, and Ollie Watkins. So, yeah, I may, I may have uh, may need to change that. You, um, you're certainly in that camp of people that have let their team slide. Uh, well, in my recent team name weeks. is I'll Get Bored Soon, so, you know. True to form, it, 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 it has come true. Uh, bad times. <laughs> Before you go on, though, I do have a gripe with Eddie Howe. Mm. What is up with him and just flat-out lying about player injuries? I know Klopp, um, you know, he does it too. To be fair, most managers don't want to reveal that kind of thing. But Anthony Gordon all of a sudden playing um, when everyone thought he was injured it is quite weird. Um, is is it to get a competitive advantage? It feels to me, and and I'll move on to the game in this sense. It feels to me Newcastle, this version of Newcastle, are trying to get as many advantages as they can and hoping that it all tallies up. We've seen in past seasons and and certainly in this season as well that the time wasting that they do, and you know how intentional it is with how little ball in play they're trying to have for other teams. Um, 
is that one of the things not 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 revealing who's injured and who's not to be fair, they've got that bigger list. He might have just forgot. <laughs> <laughs> might be here. Um, it is probably slight competitive edge, but at the same time, it might have just been a late fitness check because um, I can't remember who played for him last game, but Isaac's injured. Callum Wilson's made of Pringles. Uh, Murphy's been in and out of the team, hasn't he? Um, so that forward line for them, I think Almiron's probably, I think he missed a couple games, but he seems to be the only one who's not picked up an injury yet. Um, so yeah, it may have just been a late fitness check and pushing his boundaries type thing, but he's not listed on Premier Injuries here, so I'm guessing he's he's all right. But Callum Wilson's back on there, so I'm guessing it'll be Gordon as the false up, well striker again, which he, I think he got subbed into the other a few games ago. Um, but yeah, they've they've struggled with injuries quite a lot this season. Um, but it'll be a tough game, as you say. Um. I think Bournemouth, it was a shame for Bournemouth because they finally got they got into a good run, didn't they? And then AFCON happened and Semenyo, Semenyo left. Uh, the Django, Ritara left. I couldn't remember his second name there. Um, and I, I think another one left, I can't remember. Um, and it just seemed to disrupt them. And obviously they've had a, a few in, key injuries and I think they lost all their fullbacks and stuff for a few weeks, which is a shame. And you mentioned Dom Solanke there in FPL. It, it does really seem if he scores, they win. If not, they're kind of buggered, which is kind of the way with like mid-table sides. You, you need your star players to perform to get the win. But they're still a very good team. I, I like their team. It's just maybe getting back to consistency with with the starting eleven. Is, is maybe what they need because when they seen when they went on that run, it seemed to be quite settled with Christie in midfield. Um, the front uh, the front four was kind. I think they kind of rotated Cliver a bit, but it just seems get get back to having a settled team. I know it's hard with the with the injuries in and out, but they've got players like Kirkes back. Um, Lloyd Kelly's just come back, but. Get your, build around your Sinises and your Zabanis again. Pick a midfield duo to go with, with Christie and whoever. Um, and then just tr- whoever you think helps Solanke the most in this particular game, kind of go with that and just see how it rolls with. But I'd maybe I'd like to see more of Uatara, but I think he, his best form this season came at left back, which is quite strange. But maybe having that attacking left-back is the key, because if you have Kirk as there, he's obviously attacking. But I think it's a tough game. I think the injuries may take the toll on Newcastle. But as we mentioned in the Burnley bit, Newcastle's, I think it was the Burnley bit, Newcastle home form um, is very, very impressive. And maybe not as big a fortress as it was last season, um, Fortress St. James's. But I think it'll be a tough game. I think it'd be a tight game and it wouldn't surprise me any result, but I'll go 2-1 Newcastle, which is the ultimate sitting on the fence score. But I think it'll be a tight game. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping for a basketball type of game um, between the two sides. Uh, Newcastle seem to get teams involved in those type of games uh, of late. It's a three o'clock kickoff, so I, I, I don't know if there's enough time um for 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 it to get to that type of game but anyway it, it, hopefully hopefully it 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 does become a basketball game usually it's the late kickoffs 
um, when Newcastle involved, that seemed to become quite quite basketball uh, type of environments. But obviously, three o'clock game, plethora of three o'clock games. I think one, two, three, four, five, five games at three o'clock guy, none of them being shown in the UK. But obviously, if you guys link up with our presenting sponsors, this podcast is presented by EPLindex.com in association with Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN service. It's really easy to install, really easy to use, and it has a whole host of features. Uh, it can be used on your on multiple devices, and the software um, downloads straight onto your router, onto your devices, which is quite useful. Whether you're traveling and you don't want to get locked out of your bank account, or you want to stay safe when you're using public Wi-Fi. If you want to unlock geolock content or just want to protect your online data, then Liberty Shield is definitely for you. One of my favorite things is just unlocking content. Super Bowl was on this past weekend, was able to um, watch that with no issues. Um, obviously, congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes for that. I also love it for some of the Marvel films get locked on Netflix. Uh, I can just be able to switch locations and and be able to unlock that content, which is quite neat. Uh, you guys can um, obviously use the coupon code EPL25 and it'll get you 25% off of either the router or the software VPN. And, and we thank Liberty Shield for sponsoring this show. Guy, let's move on. Um, in terms of score predictions for me for Newcastle versus Bournemouth, I've gone 1-1. I'm 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 hoping it turns into a basketball game. I'm not optimistic, but I think they're going to be cancelling each other out in this one. Um, Nottingham Forest versus West Ham. Now, Nottingham Forest. I've enjoyed watching their games uh, recently. Obviously, some of them a bit more frustrating than the others if you look at the score lines. But they've had some spicy games. They had that three-two loss to Brentford. Obviously, the free kick. And, um, you have the Arsenal two-one loss, and then they they had that one-one draw with Bournemouth, another tough team we've mentioned, and then the three-two loss to Newcastle, where they looked like they were, you know, in with a chance to get something in that game, and then Newcastle go and 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 win it. They've been competitive uh, under Nuno, and I think, obviously, you've mentioned with previous teams, um, getting Afghan players back is going to be huge for them. Hopefully, it, 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 it results in a performance against the West Ham side that's obviously going to be looking for a response after the, 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 the shambles that they showed uh, against Arsenal in the London derby. I, I, I'll allow you to focus on the West Ham side of things if, if, if you do want to, but I'll, I'm... I want to focus on the Nottingham Forest side of things and say, I think this is a game you target. You know West Ham are going to be feeling quite sorry for themselves after that performance. Moyes was in the middle of contract extension talks. That's been stalled. There's a little bit of uncertainty with that club. If I'm Nottingham Forest, I'm targeting this game. I'm going to try and get the win, and I'm going to back them to go and do that. I've got a 2-1 home win for Nottingham Forest. It's a tough one to predict, isn't it? It's it's a strange one because I think... Will West Ham continue to suffer because of the awful <laughs> result against Arsenal? Or will it put a fire up the backside? Um, it's a tough one to say because you'd think losing that heavily at half-time, you'd think maybe they'll kick off it, kick on in the second half and at least show some pride, but they just never. Whereas Forrest, you mentioned, they've not had the results, but they've always been kind of competitive in the games. Um 
and they are missing literally 75 players from <laughs> Afghan, which is impressive. Um, and obviously, Sangers was their big marquee signing of the, with the window. Aurier's kind of an experienced head in what's become kind of a young back line, so he might help out there. Um, or did Aurier move? Did he move in the end? I don't remember. Yeah, I know he was linked with Turkey, but he might not have moved in the end. Who knows? Who cares? Um, it's a tough one. I, I kind of agree. This has to be an opportunity for Forrest to win, because we'll just open the lead. Galatasaray. Did he go to Galatasaray in the end? Ah, mm. oh, just yeah. who cares? Crap, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it feels, if Forrest win this, they'd then go on the same point as Palace. They'd overtake Palace on goal difference, actually. Um, and as we know, you can't relegate Palace, so if you're on the same point as <laughs> the Palace... benchmark that is good. Palace. <laughs> yeah. Mind, it might be different this season because they've lost their three best players and they have Roy Hodgson as manager. But we'll get to that on the Monday night game. Um, but if they win this, it either catches them up to Palace or it builds a gap to Everton and them two obviously play each other on Monday. Um, so it's an important result. It just is. They, they have to win. I think I think it's a must win for Forrest because who's a Luton player? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe not. Um, but no, it's a good opportunity to win. And I, I kind of I'll agree with you. I'll 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 go two one Forrest as well. I think with Taiwo back, maybe getting more minutes in his in, in his legs and stuff like that. Um, Alanga looked very dangerous in the last game. Callum hudson Adoy keeps doing the odd bits and looking interested. I think, again, almost similarly what I mentioned with Bournemouth, kind of try and stick with an 11 and let them play together. And that's been the issue since Forrest have been promoted. It's just very, it changes every bloody week. And Forrest doing, I know they had to do for FFP and profit and sustainability and stuff like that, but it seemed like they settled on a team. Then, like, the last few days they sell Mangala and Aurea apparently leaves. <laughs> um, but now that January's over, as you mentioned in the intro, get a settled. That's kind of what kept Forrest up at the end of last season, like after January, and they brought in like Felipe and stuff like that. And then they seem to settle on a side. They need to do that again. Um, and I think we have seen that a little bit in the defence with with Nuno. I think he's Omabamadeli and Murillo side playing to get a bit more together. But I think obviously you think Bolly will be back now. Um, so maybe it'll change again, but just settle on a side, give it a few games, barring disastrous performance, just don't change it. But I'll back Forrest and I'll say 2-1 as well. That as well as keeping Awaniye fit for me is, is yes. crucial yes, yes, for yes. Nottingham Forest because he seems to be involved with a lot that goes right for them. But what was your score prediction there? 2-1 uh, to Forrest. 2-1 for us. So you've joined me on that one. Great things. Let's see if this harmony does help you. Um, obviously, it it's the first bank it will burn it, guys. So I need to be, you know, brushing off the cobwebs as well from my end. But let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with Guy Drinkle after this short break. All right, we are back. Mr. Guy Drinkle, the inaugural bank it will burn it for the 23-24 season. How are you feeling? Champion ready. 
<laughs> you've had you've been on a campaign, guys, since we started Bank It or Burn It on this podcast to win it. You've said one day you're gonna win it. You're the executive producer. You get these run you get the run sheets well before any of our guests get them. So you already know what the questions are. I don't see how you haven't won it already. Well, it'd be wrong if the upper upper management won every year, wasn't it? I gotta let I gotta let the people win. Well, this was my issue. I had I had a bone to pick, and, and and I spoke to the suits upstairs with regards to how legit it is having executive producer Guy Drinkle be a part of Bank It or Burn It. But it got cleared with legal, um, so everything was fine there. And obviously, you haven't won it yet, so I mean, mm. they were probably thinking he's never going to win it. So you might as well let him have a crack anyway. But let's see how you get on this season, Guy. Um, we've got a slightly bigger budget this year. Are you still planning on? Using that, if you win, get a horse-drawn carriage, get fireworks going, get the parade going. Oh, it'll be it'll be from my house to Liverpool, <laughs> then circle around your house to come see Jordy. <laughs> then it's just it's the way it is. All by oh. horse-drawn carriage. That's how, my it, goodness. how it should be. My goodness. So you guys will know why we won't be on air if we're not on air next season. Guy would have blown our budget on his victory parade. But all right, Guy, you've got uh, 15 seconds on the clock as we do with Bank It or Burn It. What I'm going to do is ask Guy five questions. He's going to try and answer all five questions in each of the five rounds before the 15 seconds runs out. I'll read out each question. He's going to shout bank it if he thinks the scenario will happen, or he'll shout burn it if he thinks the scenario won't happen. It's in relation to the five fixtures we've just discussed. Brentford versus Liverpool, Burnley versus Arsenal, Fulham versus Aston Villa, Newcastle versus Bournemouth, and of course, Nottingham Forest versus West Ham. All right, guys, let's start off with our first fixture, Brentford versus Liverpool. Your time starts now. Possession over 55% to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 20 tackles. Burn it. Headed goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. All right. Okay. You've you've spread the love a bit there. We'll let the clock run out just to make sure, you know, everything's above board. But you've spread the love with the banks that will burn it there. We'll, We'll see how it goes. Knee slide burn there at the end. I mean... I don't know how I feel about that guy. You've predicted three goals. None of them are going to be scored. Darwin was tempting, but uh, no. I think you might regret Just that one. Half 12 for an East Lads too early, isn't it? <laughs> Fair enough. All right, let's go. Burnley versus Arsenal. Your time starts now. Position 55% Burn to the it. home team. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 20 tackles. Burn it. Headed goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. These 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 knee slide celebrations are going to come back to haunt you. I feel like you. they let me down all the time, so I might just play it safe and burn them all. You know? Bakayo Saka, he loves a knee slide, I'm just saying. All right. Bakayo Saka's looking to have a knees the way <laughs> <laughs> They really do need to rest him, my goodness. Uh, and, and he's got an international tournament at the end of the season as well with the Euro. Oh, man. Beautiful. The poor guy. The poor guy needs a break. All right, guy, no break for you. It's Fulham versus Aston Villa. Your time starts now. Position over 55% to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Burn it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Headed goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. 
Are you really going to stick to this? Yes. You're really going to burn them all? All right. All I'm right, a bit right. serious now today. I've got to win this now. <laughs> it is embarrassing that you, you, you haven't won it yet, Guy. Um, all right. Newcastle versus Bournemouth. Your time starts now. Possession over 55% to the home team. Bank it. Over eight shots on target. Third it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Header goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Do I need, even need to ask? Wait, wait for us. Right. Right. You never know. You never know. That's never true. Know. That's true. I'll let you answer them all. Right. Nottingham Forest versus West Ham. Your last game for this one. Uh, your time starts now. Possession of 55% to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Burn it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Headed goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Go on and I'll give you one. I'll bank that one. Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Martin nice gives away for an extra point. I do love how serious you've taken it this year, guy. You, I, I know how desperate you are to win it. The giant trophy that gets awarded. Obviously, um, Jake Jackman won it last season. It's as big as the Champions League trophy. So you can imagine the size of it. it, it you need to have space for it you need to clear space for it if you if you plan on winning it um because it, it, it's quite the big trophy but guy let's move on to spurs versus wolves i was about to say speaking of trophies but i thought maybe that might be a bit <laughs> harsh to spurs fans but this is a you can you can tell i'm recording this and she's not around because yeah um but spurs versus wolves guy um for spurs a late win Last time out, they they left it quite late, um, and it was one of those goals. You know, back post, one of the wingers coming in 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 late into the box. Spurs have been scoring that type of goal all season, so credit to them. Where it's late in the game, they're still able to produce patterns of play that they would be wanting to produce in the first minute of the game. So I'll, I'll give them credit for that. That no loss in their last five games. A win, a draw, a win, and a draw. A, a win, a draw, a win, a draw, and a win. Um, does that mean this one's going to be a draw? <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe. I mean, Wolves do like playing these sort of sides, don't they? I think a lot of counter-attacking potential with, with Neto and Huang obviously being back, but Cunha has been such a great facilitator. Is that the right word? But he's obviously cropped up with goals as well. Um I think it's a tough game for Spurs, but with Son back, the midfielders back as well, probably just as important. Mm. It's kind of tempting to go for a draw just for symmetry's sake. <laughs> um, but I feel like the the only disappointing result out of those last five is the Everton one, obviously, because um, a draw against United's not too bad. Um the late win against Brighton, obviously quite good. Um, ah, it's a tough one. You know, you know what? It's potential to be madness. And now I've done bank it or burn it. I can go mad. <laughs> um, <laughs> free all. Mr. Guy Drinkle, I've got three all yes! here as well. And I'll tell you why. Spurs... And this is something that will obviously come with time. They don't know how to control games. They don't know how to put their foot on the ball at times when they need to just slow the game down and, and take, you know, take teams out of the game. 
I just think Wolves are going to keep coming back and keep coming back. And we know Spurs and the attacking endeavor that they have. I'm looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be one of the, if not the game of the game week. Um, Obviously, unfortunately, not going to be on TV here if you're in the UK. But, and we know you've got Man Man City Chelsea that we're going to discuss next. But I just have a feeling about this one, guy. I think it's going to be a, a good game. Both teams... Got most of their players back fit, firing. Pedro Neto looking ominous. He's obviously um, he's obviously someone that's maybe advertising for for his future. Whether it's a a big contract with Wolves um, that they'll have to give him just to, to to keep him at the club, or it's going to be you know uh, a lot of clubs chasing him. We know. The rumours in the papers has been that uh, the likes of Liverpool and Arsenal have been looking to to try and prize him away from Wolves. He's certainly looking like one of the exciting young players in the Premier League at the moment. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this game. Spurs are playing well at the moment. Wolves are playing well at the moment. Both teams have attacking endeavour. Spurs can't control games. So even though they're at home, they're going to allow Wolves to have a chance to get back into this game. Yeah, for me, it's, it's going to be game of the weekend. Um, maybe it's a hipster's choice because we've got Man City versus Chelsea that we discuss next. But we've both gone 3-3 for this one. Let's move on to Man City versus Chelsea. For me, Man City, uh, this is their time of the season. This is where that juggernaut starts to roll into um, into form. They obviously had that Champions League game midweek. Maybe that's something to... Where, where you say maybe they carry that into this game in terms of their legs, but then, you know, Chelsea only played a day before um, and, and, and looked impressive in that game. Nonetheless, they, they the, the difference isn't as huge as if, let's say, Chelsea played Saturday, Spurs, um, City are playing Tuesday, and then they have to play again on Saturday. The, 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 the day difference, it might make a difference, but I, I think... I think um, it, it, it sort of levels itself out in terms of um, City having that midweek game. For Chelsea, they look to be getting into some sort of groove. You've mentioned with other teams of, you know, they need to get a settled lineup going. Seems like Chelsea are falling into a, a settled lineup. Thiago Silva is no longer sort of featuring in that at the moment. And that seems to have helped them, especially with confidence defensively, knowing that they don't have to worry about him from from a physical standpoint. Obviously, we know his age at the moment. Um, we're, we're not going to doubt his his football IQ and and the experience that he has. But it it just seems like this young team needs to have that young defensive pairing to to sort of carry that energy forward. Um, as good as Chelsea have been in recent weeks. I still can't see past Man City at home at the Etihad. Kevin De Bruyne is back. Erling Haaland's back. Foden's playing well. Grealish is, I don't know, just he got injured in being the Grealish. Oh, he got injured as well. You see, this is the thing with Grealish. I, I can't with him. He, he, I'm yet to see him have a, a full season where I'm like, okay, he, he's, he's had good to great. He's just too up and down with me. And then obviously he gets this injury midweek, as you've mentioned. So Doku, Doku I'd imagine, is probably going to play on that left-hand side. He's another one of those. He needs to learn how to finish in terms of whether it's finishing the pass, making the right decisions uh, with that final ball, 
or you know finishing obviously scoring chances he had that hot streak but him and darwin nunez they, they they've got attributes that would make them devastating they're scary to play against but un- until they sort out that final bit which is obviously the crucial bit where you're getting assists and goals it- it's going to be an issue for them uh, in the long term you don't want to turn into an adama traore and no disrespect to him but that that's just how it's going for doku at the moment i i've I'm confident in City. I think they see this game out. I've gone 2-0 to Man City. Yep, Rodri's foot, they'll win. <laughs> that's the, that's that's the formula. Yeah. Uh, these are the types of games, well, earlier on in the season, because I can't remember, was it Arsenal? It might have been Arsenal. Um, Chelsea were obviously awful for quite a while, and then they seemed to play well against the big teams. Um it was Spurs, wasn't it? That's where they ruined Spurs this season for a few months. Um, but Chelsea's a different... Uh, City's a different beast, I should say, compared to that. And as you say, as we say, Rodri's fit. They don't, they don't lose games when Rodri's fit. It just happens. And you mentioned you have the stardust of De Bruyne being closer to up to speed. They even rested him against Everton last week. I know he had to come on... Um, and and play a significant role. Haaland's obviously back back in the goals last weekend as well, which is fantastic. Great stuff. Um, great. <laughs> I hate Man City so much. Um, <laughs> ruined my bloody life. Um, they'll win. I don't. I think Chelsea can hurt them if Ankunku, Jackson, Palmer, Sterling. Yeah, because he's better than Mudrick. On the counter-attack, I think that could hurt Man City, but Man City manage counter-attacks in every game they've played. <laughs> they, they just, it's just how they play. They're, they're the, one of the best, if not the best team, uh, at managing counter-attacks. They just do it. It's, it's what their system's built around. It's how they, it's how they defend with Kyle Walker, etc. Um, yeah, City will win this. I'll give Chelsea a goal, but I think City will win there. I think 3-1. I think, unfortunately, I think this is like the type of game they'd actually want Thiago Silva for. In the main, I agree. I think they should run with the young lads, but when they're going to be penned in um, and you want... Silva should lose physical duels with Haaland, but we obviously know he, he has a very... He can spring quite well for quite a short centre-back as well. More experience dealing with someone like Haaland. Um if you can have experience dealing with an alien cyborg. Um, but De Sassi and Colwell against Haaland? Eh, that doesn't, doesn't fill me with confidence. I mean, I'd love Chelsea to win, but I'll, I'll go 3-1 City, I think. with De Bru- they, had, they had De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva on the bench last weekend. <laughs> like, that's unfair. Unfair. Cheating. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let, let's move on, Guy. I mean, I don't know how many people predicted um, a win for the team we're going to discuss. Mm. Sheffield United, 3-1 win over Luton. I mean, they, they looked really good. They looked really good after me slating them for however long we spoke about Sheffield United in that game, not giving them too much of a chance awesome. against the Luton side that, that was playing well. Um, but obviously, yeah, so th- they get that 3-1 win. It keeps the survival hopes alive. Uh, they'll be taking on Brighton this time around. Th- look, the Blades desperately need a win again. Um, 
that's just the formula and, and the situation that they're in at the moment. They just have to keep piling on wins um, in order to try and get out of that relegation zone. They've got, obviously, um, I, th- I think um, Norrington Davis should be fit. He should be back um, for this game, even though he limped um, off, of, uh, you know, during that Luton game. So that would be big for them. For Brighton, on the other hand, obviously they need to recover from that 2-1 loss to Tottenham. I thought they looked impressive against Tottenham. They stifled them quite a bit, mm-hmm. but you know, and should have won the game if you look at some of the chances that they had. But um, so, so came to to that Spurs uh, attack and and that Spurs move that I was speaking about that that cross to the back post that Spurs have become quite synonymous with recently. Um, look. I think, you know, you've got the likes of James Milner, João Pedro, Julian Sessio. They're all out of contention with with injuries. Um, but I think Brighton still have enough to, to go and win this game 2-1. I know Sheffield United looked impressive a bit against um, Luton. But I just think Brighton's going to keep the ball away from them for too long uh, for Sheffield United to get into any sort of rhythm and, and be able to win this one. I, I'm going to go 2-1 to Brighton. Yeah, I feel like there'll be goals in this game, which is kind of easy to say with Brighton. But we, we've seen it in, in, in recent weeks. Obviously, if Sheffield United can defend well they can frustrate teams but when they don't defend well you get tonked like I think it was Villa who did it a few weeks ago so it's very much dependent if if Sheffield United can keep out Brighton's attack which probably isn't at its prolific best in in well this season really except in Europe it seems to have been um I know they put four past Palace but that's just bullying at this stage um yeah I mean even in the last five, one against Tottenham, four against Palace, but nothing against Luton, nothing against Wolves, nothing against West Ham. They they need their attack to 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 step up really. Um, like I've bigged up Joe Pedro, he needs to be more prolific. Danny Welbeck's never been prolific, so I can't really complain about him. But they need more goals in the side, um, or more consistent goals in the side. If Sheffield United can keep them out, which it, it seems very possible on the counter attack with players like Cameron Archer, um, is it Brooks and Osler? I can't remember the, the young or Scandinavian. <laughs> I can't remember which country it is. Um, uh, they do have pace on the counter attack. Um, Barrett and Diaz, who they obviously brought in in, in um, January. Yeah, I think they can score goals against this Brighton side. It's just whether they can keep them out. Their defense is obviously. The worst, I think it's the worst in the league. Let's have a look. Uh, goal difference. I mean, they've con- yeah, conceded 60 goals. It is the worst in the league. So it's a big question mark. I, I feel like there'll be goals in this. I, I'll go 3 2 to Brighton. But honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if Sheffield United pick up a draw or even win this game. Because Brighton are in such wishy washy form. And I, I can't remember the exact thing, but those stats about Deserby going around where I think it's like one win in nine or something like that. Might, I'm not sure how accurate that is. But they've been drawing and losing too many games this season. Like their overall record, uh, one nine, drew eight, lost seven. Like it's it's not really... Pretty even kill in that Yeah. Sense. Like you need to... Ca- 
you need to add a couple more W's on there. You need um, to turn a, you need to turn losses into draws, draws into wins, etc. Exactly, and obviously Brereton Diaz, he had a tight hamstring last game, that's why they kept him out. So I'm, I'm assuming he's going to be back for that one. Let's move on to team we just mentioned in Luton. Uh, they will be hosting Man United. Guy, Man United can score goals all of a sudden. Uh, Scott McTominay. Ah, fair, fair. I mean, I mean, look, uh, Hodgeland, he's he's getting goals. Yeah. Um, which which will be good for Man United. He's he's still young, so I mean, it's going to take time. You can't expect him to be, you know, competing with the likes of, um, you know, Haaland. Uh, he's just not at that level. Um, but he's got potential. He's starting to get the ball in the back of the net. We've seen, for example, the likes of Richarlison, where one goes in, then a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, and and it, you start to get into a rhythm and and the confidence is there. And we all know how important confidence is for strikers. But yeah, so so I think that's uh, a positive for them. But they will be obviously um, traveling to to Luton. We know how tough that ground is to play in. Um, they've, they've made it a, quite quite a fortress, uh, if I can say, in, t- in terms of how difficult it is for teams to come to Kenilworth Road and, and get points from them. Do you think this good form Man United and, and, and you know, especially with their strikers starting to score goals can continue this run of three games, three wins um, and make it four, four wins in, in their last four games against Luton or... Um, will Luton sort of hold true to that home form, make it difficult for, for another big team at home and, and frustrate Man United, get a result, and I guess for Luton, continue to be hovering above that relegation zone. They're currently sitting 17th. Yeah, I feel like Luton will want to bounce back after the Sheffield United disappointment. And as you mentioned, it's it's so hard to predict for Luton because they have given all the top teams a tough game. Um, Drew with Liverpool Arsenal and City just escaped them if I remember correctly uh, late resurgence against Chelsea um, but as United again we mentioned it with Forrest and um, and Bournemouth United have finally settled on a team and I know they've had injuries and I know they've been trying to implement new players and stuff like that and again they probably want to bring in like obviously Martinez got injured when he came back but They'll finally settled on an attacking system and the midfield. Like I think the defense has had produ- the most injuries from from memory, but it feels like he could have settled on this attack quite earlier on in the season. Like Rashford on the left should have picked itself. I know he's been awful this season, but your other options, Anthony. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> um, Garnacho obviously wants to play on the left. He's like 12-year-old. doesn't matter what side he plays <laughs> on him. He's getting games. <laughs> but him on the right has been really good. Bruno is the 10, and Hoyland actually having players around him. Like, the threat of running in behind from Rashford, the the quality of Fernandes and Garnacho Feels like this should, have, this should have been maybe not the start of the season, because it's a lot of young players. But when the season was going to crap, which it was, and has, um, especially the Champions League. It it feels like this sh- this should have been quite obvious to pick. Now I think it's a braver decision in midfield because Manu obviously had to perform, and he's not really had the ideal partner with him. But now Casemiro, he's only just come back. To be fair, but you've now got that that front 
um, front line and midfield and just pick that every game you can unless you need to rest them for a cup or whatever. But that seems settled. The defence is obviously a bit up and down due to injuries. The goalkeeper, he still looks like he's got a mistake in him and he likes punching Wolves people in the face. Um, but he's he's very much improved from the Champions League version of Onana where he'll obviously still make a rick, but he may not self-implode and ruin your entire team's chances. So he settled Maguire and Varane. Um, is that who's been picking? Is that who's been playing? Let's have a look. Maguire. Uh, Maguire is featuring. Yeah, it's been Varane and Maguire. I think West Ham game, that's when Martinez came back, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was. So it, it, if you're just picking them, them, them for obviously Dallow and Shaw, or I think Juan Bissaka's injured, isn't he? Now that they've settled on a side, we saw this in his first season. He was awful for a few games, finally settled on something, and it, it started going well. Um, I think it'll be a a weird game. I I'll say tough game, but I think it'll be more so a weird game. I think United should win because they're obviously in good form. They're, as I mentioned, the attack is now finally settled. But again, I feel like there'll be goals in this. I think Adebayo, Ogbeni, um, I can't remember the bloody winger's name. Um, but they have paid like the quality of Townsend, etc. I feel like they can hurt United in places. And let's say set pieces, for example, that's been one of Onana's weaknesses because he does come out, rush out like a doyle at times. Um, it's tough. Again, I've gone for too exciting of a weekend, but I think there's a few. <laughs> goal, I think there's a few goals in this. I think I'll say three-one to United, but I feel like it'll be like one of those late goals where they just catch loot and cold at the end type goals. But it wouldn't surprise me if this is like 4-3 United. It wouldn't surprise me if Luton even bloody won the game. But I'll back United because they've been in decent form. But it's so hard to predict with Luton that I feel like if they won, I don't think anyone would blink an eye. I've gone 2-2. I think Luton, they've come good against the, the big teams. They've caused them problems, as you've said. Um, I don't know if there's going to be the space that the Rashfords and the Ganachos like to have um, with such a small pitch. And, and that constricted team is going to make it, I think, a bit difficult for United. Unless Bruno Fernandes is on it and, and, and his distribution and passing and, and, and threading the needles is, is, is phenomenal in this game, I think United's wide players are going to struggle. So, yeah, I've gone to two. I think it will be a draw. It, it should be a fun game. We end off, um, for this podcast, only, Everton versus Crystal Palace. Sean Dyche, I mean, Guy, Everton looked really, really solid, really good in that game against Man City uh, from a defensive standpoint. Obviously, the questions with them are all about the attack and whether they can start get you know start to get uh, DCL firing. Um, it, it, <sighs> they lost to Man City, yes, I know that. But I still think they would have been happy with the way they played from a defensive standpoint. And sort of take the positives from that moving forward into their next couple of games. And eyeing, you know, this game, it's Crystal Palace at home. A Palace side that obviously, you know, there's a difference in Palace when 
when you don't have the likes of Ezi and Alisi, Palace, I mean, obviously they're, they're lost Zaha, but not having um, Olese, who it looks like he's not going to be back until like April, and then Eze, maybe late Feb, he'll be back. It, it, it seems like a game that Everton have to target. They have to go and win it. Um, one, how do you see this game going? Because I've, I've gone... 1-0 to Everton. I wanted to go more, but I can't see them scoring goals. They they, they they just are struggling to score goals. So I've gone with the conservative 1-0. And then two, if my scoreline does uh, come true and Everton beat Crystal Palace, do, do Everton, I mean, do Palace have to do something now? I know they wanted to wait until end of the season when Roy Hodgson leaves, but if they get relegated this season, it, it's going to be absolutely, you know, disastrous for them. Oh, I feel like Roy should be sacked anyway. I feel like he should have been sacked when he had to go at the fans those few, probably months ago now. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know they're de- dealing with injuries, but that Alisa injury is 95% on Roy. Like, he's an injury-prone player. You were 3-0 down at half-time or whatever it was, and you brought him on. Yeah. Are you stupid? Well, you're stupid. It confirms it. Um no, I feel like Roy should go regardless. And, and and Palace won't, obviously, I don't know the inner workings of Palace. I don't know the struggles of the Palace fans. But you, you look like, the we say it jokingly, the kind of, I say nothing team, not in a disrespectful way, but they, they're the least interesting team because they never push, they never go the extra mile, which I know has kind of made teams suffer in the past. But they literally... They'd snap you up, like, before this season, they would have snapped your hand off before 14th. Like, yeah. could could you say the same about Fulham? Could you say the same about Brighton? Uh, Brighton's a bad example. Bournemouth? I feel like these teams would would expect they'd be able to do better than that, whereas I think Palace would... Maybe 17th's too close to the fire, but 15th, 14th, 13th, they'd snap your hand off. Whereas I feel like... It's Chelsea tenth. Wolves, Fulham, maybe Wolves because they obviously had such a weird summer. But Fulham, Bournemouth, Brentford, um, even for like Forest before the season, I don't think they would have expected to be where they are. Like, it, I feel like they all feel like they could have done better than fourteenth. Maybe reality would would um, kick in now and they'd snap your hand off at fourteenth. But before the season, I, I don't think so. So I feel like Palace. Just the hiring of Roy Hodgson, it just screams, we're happy surviving. Like, this is the side that, for so many years, was so safe, they could have pushed on, maybe not got Europa, but like if, Bright- if Brighton can get Euro- European football, why can't, why can't Crystal Palace? Like, I know their owner's probably more committed, and I know the- there's an issue there with Palace, but... It, it, it's such a, a dull football club rather than a nothing football club. That's probably the way. Like, I know they've got really interesting players like Elise as a, a Dakura, who all three of them are injured, which is horrendous. And it'd be tough for any manager to deal with. But, it, and, and Gay, he's injured as well. So their four best players, in my eyes, are injured, which is horrendous. But even when those players were, weren't playing, or if only two of them were injured or whatever, they were still not doing anything. I feel like another manager would at least try and figure out another way rather than just go, ah, we'll just play seven defenders, <laughs> see what happens. It's just, it's really dull. 
and to be honest, I don't think another manager would have got them in this position where they have so many bloody defensive players in the, in the first place because they clearly don't like their attacking players. Get rid, get rid of them. Go again. Um, yeah, it's just a very dull football club at the moment. And if they if they lose to Everton, as we mentioned, in the relegation threat a bit earlier, like getting sucked into it and the amount of injuries to key players, as I mentioned there, they genuinely could get relegated. Like Luton have have shown they can go on spells of 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 hurting teams and like even in the last those three decent results before the loss to Sheffield United, like drawing with Newcastle, beating Brighton, drawing with the Burnley. If they beat Burnley or Sheffield United, you'd probably be thinking they're more safe than Crystal Palace, which they'd obviously still be behind Crystal Palace. But you'd think they'd be in such much more of a optimistic place, and they've obviously got a game in hand as well, which I forgot about. Um. Yeah, I feel like it's a must-not-lose for Palace. And if they do lose, Roy Hodgson needs to go, because they will get relegated. They just will. Like They need new ideas to figure out how to stop stop that and get some, I don't know, promote some youth players or something, because the old guard ain't doing it. Um, whereas Everton, we know their situation. If they win, they'll probably be feel like they'll be safe. Um, or another step towards safety. But if they lose, if they lose, Palace will be like a few draws away from safety. Where, and obviously they'll have knowing the results of the other games as well. So you could have Luton beating Man United, for instance, then they're four points away from safety. So even more pressure, for example. But I've... I feel like it'll be the worst game of the season. And oh. it's, on, it's on Monday Night Football as well. That's my prediction. It'll be dour awful. And Are you going to go with a nil-nil? I am going with a nil-nil. It's, it, why is it on T? Why is it on Monday Night Football? <laughs> like, I know it's a relegation scrap, but Jesus Christ. Who's weird? Who's, like, I'll probably watch it because I'm a weirdo, but God, who's like, Oh, God. Christ, who's going to look forward all Monday? Back to work on Monday. Lardy da. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll go back to work. <laughs> oh, dear me. Nil nil. Awful game. Be oh, awful. my goodness. Look, uh, the word I'd describe Crystal Palace at the moment is uninspiring. It's just, it's, there's nothing that I could look forward to. Whereas, you know, a couple of seasons ago, they they revamped their youth system. They brought in exciting young players. It looked like they were heading into the right direction. They had Patrick Vieira, young manager in charge. Mm, it, it's not looking great. Hopefully for them, they, they stay up so that they, the new manager can shake things up. But yeah, for Everton, I think they need to win this game because we know, obviously, their appeal decision hasn't come out yet at time of recording of this podcast and if you're to believe Jamie Carragher he feels the Premier League is holding on to that because they know Everton have a home game on Monday and they want to maybe release it after that game um but yeah it's not like Everton don't have other home games the rest of the season but anyway um guy that's going to do it for another episode of a tad predictable do you have anything you want to plug put over or promote before we wrap up uh, just before we did this podcast, I recorded a AI Scouted um, with Carl Matchett, people probably know from Twitter. Uh, we just discussed uh, the Europa League. Obviously, Liverpool don't know who they'll be playing yet, so we went through some of them. We went through some of Liverpool's injuries, and it was 
it was really great for Paul Joyce to break some injury news for two players <laughs> after we did that podcast. So Fantastic. Thanks for that, thanks Fantastic. For that Paul. Uh, we did a bit of Chelsea and Everton as well, um, who we obviously play in a cup final and are our local rivals. So, yeah, that should be probably be out the similar time to this. But, uh, yeah, if you fancy a bit of a varied listen, that there's that over on AI. Thank you very much. Obviously, Anfield Index, the sister website to EPL Index, they do all things Liverpool-related there. Guys, uh, go check out EPL Index website. Their match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, all of the news that you guys could wish for. Of course, there's the daily podcast show, the Two-Footer Podcast with Dave Hendrick, where he discusses the hottest topics in football. Finally, also check out the flagship show that runs weekly. It's the EPR Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPR teams. They do the reviewing of the Premier League. We obviously do the previewing of of the Premier League weekends. Uh, go follow the show's uh, Twitter page at Atat Predictable. Go and follow at EPR Index on Twitter. Subscribe to EPR Index podcast channel on your podcast providers. Give us five stars. Write positive comments. That stuff really does go a long way. I, I, I can't say that enough. Um, I've been Tidi Wachinakira. You can find me on Twitter at Tad Predicts. A huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA. And Jody McKenna. She's at Spursy141 for our guest intros. Our producer, he was behind the, he's usually behind the glass. But he was in front of the mic today. Um, no coincidence that Bankiro Bernard started the week that he was coming on. Uh, he's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinoshura. Podcast Network.